2: consequence podcast network
3: hi this is debbie harry this
1: is Chris blondie
3: and you're listening to the story behind the song on consequence
0: welcome listeners to another episode of the story behind the song the consequence podcast network series where we interview the iconic artists behind the most iconic songs of the past few decades I'm your host, Peter Chadi, and each month I dive deep into conversations with your favorite musicians of all time to get insights into the creative journeys behind their most popular and lasting songs. I also ask each artist about one of their personal favorite deep cuts from their own catalog. And in the process, these living legends reveal frequently surprising, never-before-discussed details about these songs and their creative journeys, as well as candid reflections about their personal triumphs and challenges. Today I speak with Debbie Harry and Chris Stein of one of the most iconic, influential, and eclectic bands of all time, Blondie, of course. Blondie is a band that broke all the rules across several decades of creating music, bending music genres by infusing their punk roots with elements of pop, disco, new wave, reggae, and rap. Which brings us to Rapture, their iconic song that in 1981 became the first rap song to hit number one on the U.S. charts – but did you know that Rapture's original track was discarded and later used by Blondie to create a Christmas song? Yes, it's true, and you're going to hear all about Rapture and its Santa spinoff, Yuletide Throwdown. So take a listen as we dive into the story behind the song with Blondie. Chris and Debbie, how are you guys doing today? Both both joining from New York City, I assume. Yes.
3: It's it's an incredibly beautiful day today, Uh, unseasonably warm and sunny. And, you know, it's just it's a gorgeous day. It's a great day for, you know, New York City. People will be out walking and riding bikes and, you know, walking along the riverbanks and everything. It's just it's a gorgeous day.
0: Ah, great. It's it's a wonderful city. I was just there last weekend, actually. So Ah. great, great city. And just a little brief introduction that everybody knows about you guys is that one of the most iconic bands, 40 million records, over 40 million records worldwide, inducted into the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame years ago. And we all know the tunes. We all know Heart of Glass one way or another. The tide is high and so many others. But what sets you all apart from just about everybody else, is how versatile you are in terms of all the genres that you've covered throughout your career. So punk, new wave, pop, disco, and of course, rap as well. And that's the perfect segue where today we're going to be talking about Rapture, one of your most um, iconic songs of all time from the album Auto American. But also we're going to talk about Yuletide Throwdown, which is a hidden gem that was just recently uncovered. I guess Chris was saying floating around out there, but for most people, a new gem that is just going to, or was just released digitally and also on limited edition vinyl a few days back in early November. So, and these songs are related, correct? Yes. Okay. They're
1: it's almost the same
3: thing. It's pretty much the same root. It's the same basis. Um, same, same core changes, I
0: guess.
1: Well,
3: no. Do you want
0: to go into it? Are you ready? Yeah. Well, we might as well go into that, and then we can go into a little bit more of your backstory afterwards. But absolutely, talk to us about Rapture and Yuletide Throwdown because they are intertwined. So well, this is a little bit different. It's
1: really simple. It's just we did when we first recorded Rapture we decided it was too slow so we did a second take that was faster and that was it so the slow take the little bit faster version is what you hear as the song and i had the two inch tape that i'd gotten a copy of or maybe even the actual tape and i brought it home i had had my own 24 track studio at that point and i overdubbed on it and put Freddie and Debbie on. And so that's the slower version is what this Christmas song is.
0: Yeah, no, I was listening to it earlier today and it's, it's delightful. And so for everybody who's (laughs) out there, you should check it out because it's a great holiday song, maybe even a new holiday classic. But as I was looking into things that it was a little bit chicken and the egg, it wasn't clear to me, which came first, but as you were saying, the Yuletide throwdown well, actually. It was
1: the, the vocals, the rap and stuff was recorded several years later after doing Rapture, maybe a good couple, a good couple of years later later down the pike. Yeah. So how,
0: so, how did you think about that since it was a slower track, the original track for Rapture, and then you shelved it for a little bit? So, how did this all come back to you?
1: It's, you know, I was, there was a, uk magazine called flexi pop which had like a little plastic flexi disc if anybody remembers those in it so i guess they may have approached me for doing some christmas songs and i had two other tracks i'd produced one by this guy named Snooky tate and another by the kid punk band called the brattles and they the uh, brattle song was called "Stanton's secret agent if i remember correctly And those guys were actually all like nine to twelve years old at the time, and famously opened up for the Clash, in (laughs) at at Bonds in New York.
0: There's an interesting mix. Yeah, Yeah.
1: the the, the Brattle's music is out there. It was funny, but I mean, they really played their own instruments and were doing the the thing. And so these three tracks went on this little flexi disc, and but it didn't flex the magazine just fucking dropped the ball on it and it didn't come out till february of the year it was released anyway <laughs> for so, the next christmas <laughs> yeah it was just it was just ironically funny yeah and and then it's, you know it's been floating around it's probably on youtube and here and there but it's never really gotten much attention
0: so debbie did you write the lyrics with chris or how did that all come about for yuletide throwdown
3: well, uh, I think Freddie had a hand in it,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, it's most, yeah. It's Freddie's rap. is just what he threw through down. Yeah. And I don't know if Freddie even has technically has any actual records out as such. You know, he. I don't know if he's ever recorded. But he's a good good rapper and certainly a student of the form.
3: No, I don't think he does, and it seems pretty odd in yeah. today's and. In today's world, that he doesn't have.
1: Well, Freddie's like busy the, being the, the, mayor, the mayor. Oh, I know. I mean, he just like knows everybody in yeah. know, show business and everything, and does a lot of networking all the yeah. time. Yeah.
0: Well, no, it's l- listen. I as I was listening to it, it's it really is. It's it's so wild to hear "Rapture" with the uh, Christmas lyrics over it, and. <laughs> it just it's a great vibe for the holidays so everybody seriously check it out because it, right. it is right. a great vibe for for the christmas season
1: well check it out is one of the lyrics <laughs> in
3: there
0: right, that one, right? <laughs> so at, this was we'll talk about Tide throwdown a little bit more and then we'll get into rapture itself but Tide throwdown as i understand it you Found, not found it, but it stopped floating around because you're collecting your, a box set. That's what you're compiling right now for yeah, yeah. release so at some a, point next I year. Had
1: a garage full of tapes yep. that we turned over and started having digitized and dealing with that stuff. So that was included in all that.
0: Did you find a lot of undiscovered gems?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of vaguely aware of pretty much all that's there. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of stuff that hasn't been digitized. There's, there's a few things I hadn't really, I had kind of forgotten about. I don't know where the hell we got. I don't know where, know where that version of Moonlight Drive came from, if that was in my tapes or otherwise. But that was pretty interesting. We have a version of the, not even the whole song, just a fragment of the Doors Moonlight Drive that we recorded probably while making the second album, I think. hmm that's in this stuff. That's, I think that's in the box set.
0: And Debbie, do you re- remember recording that with Fab Five Freddy?
3: Well, yeah, I do. I mean, I think we did it up um, on 72nd Street, right, Chris? Oh, I think it was in the basement. <coughs> in the basement?
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay.
3: Um, I guess that makes sense, time wise. Yeah.
1: No, I used to have this big loft in Tribeca yeah. Which I moved into before it was called Tribeca. And uh, I had my own I had a studio 24 track, you know, analog situation. So I, I'm pretty sure we did it there. We could I don't know been.
3: why I think about I don't know why I thought it was uptown, but um in any case it was your board and uh you know that's, yeah, how, I, that's how we I did it.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. You, yeah. I'm sure you had a lot of fun while you were doing it. It certainly sounds that way.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, look, you know, it's a, a Christmas song, a Christmas version of a song that is very much not Christmassy. <laughs> so yeah. that that's the beauty of it. And so let's. Yeah. T- I I want to get into um, Rapture because now. Uh, Getting into the depth of that and how that all came to be first that, and as I was saying at the beginning, Rapture was released on your fifth studio album, uh, auto American, which came out in late 1980 and Rapture was released early 1981. And auto American is a pretty fascinating album itself because there's so many genres that are within that one. And you have the atmospheric um, Europa as an example, which is, I, I I like that song a lot. Um, just a little fun fact. Uh, Chris, I was telling you a little bit about my son who's at NYU right now. So he's in New York City, which gives me a great reason to come out to New York. But uh, my daughter's in music and Angels on the Balcony is an interesting song from that album. That, likes and is one of, my favorite, one of our family favorites. It's just, and so if we have a few moments, I want to ask you a couple of questions about that one too, because- it's a haunting song, but let's, but it just shows kind of the eclecticism of this album, but let's get into Rapture a little bit. And first give us the backstory of where you both were as Blondie at that time. And what led to your evolution as a band led to the framework for Rapture and how that began and then how it came to be.
1: It's kind of a combination of things that, Main event was Freddie taking us up to the Bronx to see this rap event, which was in probably 77 or 78, I would imagine, you know, and it was just really an eye opener and very exciting. and We got very carried away and enthusiastic about seeing all these kids, you know, finding their voice and doing this. Doing this bit that they were doing. At, at, and, you know, I was unaware that this was said this, you know, this sort of vital scene was going on at the same time as the downtown scene. So, um, so that was a kickoff. And then, of course, we had really been big fans of Chic. They loved Chic. And so the, the basic, you know, the bass line is kind of an homage to Chic. And then, and also, of course, all the rap music at the time was only using a couple of samples, which and one of them was you know "Good Times" by Chic and uh, "Love Is the Drug" and a couple of things, but it was very limited. And "Good Times" was what you heard over and over again.
0: I remember it well
1: as a foundation for everything.
0: Yeah, Debbie, do you remember going out that? Was it one pivotal, like, night where you both were there with Fab Five Freddy and you saw something that you felt was completely unique? Is that the way it kind of came to be in your mind?
3: Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, we had heard uh, different uh, things that were recorded. know um, yeah, what was the label from Jersey? Sure. Huh? Sugar
1: sure, Hill stuff. We're, yeah, we are. Rapids Delight have been around. People are around. Right.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we were totally unfamiliar <clears throat> with rap and, but we had never sort of been to a, um, a live, uh, I don't know what you would call it, a rave of sorts. Yeah. You know, they were, you know, it was a, a freestyle rap thing and, you know, they did the scratching, uh, using, as Chris said, you know, very, very often the same, uh, rhythm tracks behind, you know, you know, pre-recorded stuff. And, um, I I guess there there was a little bit of objection to that, you know, that whole process, but it wasn't. It it never went to any great uh, degree like it might have today. Um, And you know, we went up there to this live uh, jam rave thing with all these kids at the was at the police athletic league. Hmm. So um, they you know, it was a community response, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't sort of, um, <laughs> the danger zone in any, any way, shape or form, but it was, you know, as Chris said, you know, people finding their voice and, and saying things and, you know, some of it was bravado, some of it was social, um, other, other, you know, other, all kinds of, you know, topics and subject matters. And, um, you know, but, just vital, you know, just full, full of enthusiasm and drama. And um, it, it really made an impression on us. And, and we, we went back home and I, <clears throat> I know we were sitting there and uh, I think the TV was on and, and Chris said, I think we should do a rap song and call it Rapture. And I said, oh, okay, great. That sounds good.
0: (laughs) Pretty clever.
3: So we did. (laughs) Excuse me. And, um, you know, uh, I I think the, um, I don't know, it seemed like the importance of the whole thing, you know, was that, you know, people were saying things that, you know, hadn't been said the way they were saying them. And also that it was a, a, a form of music you know it, it was a new a new twist it was a new a new exciting you know approach and um i think our contribution to that was that you know chris wrote music it so rapture is one of the first if not the first <coughs> rap song excuse me that um has its own music and it has its own song it's not something lifted from chic or you know anywhere else it's uh it's a it's a complete entity of its own and um i think after that it sort of became you know the norm you know that uh rappers would actually you know cooperate with a with a a songwriter or or somebody like that yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean look it was the first number one rap song to hit the U S charts. And so it's revolutionary. And I want to ask you about the impact and just kind of the reaction from the rap community. But so when you first experienced that event, did you feel at the time that that was something revolutionary and would change, would it be a lasting new form of music?
1: Yeah. And I frequently tell the story of, um, speaking to a lot of insider record company people at the, Time in the next couple of years, and I think you know, like ninety-nine percent of these guys saying it was a fad and it was going to go away. And you know, now we're there's the shocker. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but now we're you know almost fifty years into it. I I didn't
3: didn't really pay that much attention to that because you know they. I think they said that about punk too. Everything. You know, and
1: and like
3: it seemed like you know almost like. Folk music to me, yeah. like, mentally, it, it, it took the position of, of uh, folk music in in the black community and in terms of um, you know R and suppose.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it was it, very much it was very much like deconstructivist. It yeah. was about breaking down these existing forms and putting them back together, which was very much what punk was about, and maybe reggae. So all of these kind of outsider. Forms of music were very much about you know redoing existing things, which I thought was very exciting. Well,
0: yeah. you know that you have a new form of music that's going to last when the record label guys say it's not going to. Yeah, this isn't going to yeah, last. That it's oh, a fad. That's
1: probably, that's probably <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, I
3: don't. do I don't know. You know, I don't want to slam record record company guys completely. Because uh, I know some have actual, you know, a great deal of vision, of course, and you know have really have been helpful to artists and and to music, but um, unfortunately, uh, it's not always the case.
0: So a- after you had that experience, how long thereafter did you guys sit down and start writing? Uh, and you, you had that aha moment with the you know the title rapture, and you you decided to write that song. Was that yeah? Probably with-
1: for pretty. I, it was well, probably a while. It was, it was when we got together to do the next record, that, that you had know, on American record. So it was probably a couple of years after the, going to that event. I still can't really pin the event itself down. I've talked to Freddie about it, trying to figure out the year. You know, he says 78, I mean, 77, 78. So it might have been around then. It was before Wild Style. I'm not sure what year Wild Style came out so it was a little before that too
0: and did you when you sat down sounds like it was a a plan to sit down and actually write a rap song and you had the title rapture so what which came first was it the music or was it the baseline where, the baseline
1: the, the, the beat and the baseline came first and then but, that's with the guitar on the track playing just exactly the same thing and that is very much a Bernard Edwards homage. Yeah, the, it's the you know, the good times bass line is so iconic. Yeah. That Bernard plays. So yeah. It was definitely a reference to that.
0: So once you had the baseline, what was the process after that? And how did how quickly did it come together? And the ly- tell us about the lyric process as well.
1: Well, I guess um, you know, I developed worked up that melody that is the verses um i mean the verse chorus is pretty closely linked there and then we just threw out on a lot of this crazy stuff i think i kind of remember writing some of that
3: chris uh i think chris wrote um the rap initially
1: sure, so no, you-
3: and i added to it mm-hmm. um you know yeah. to but it was uh you know, the man from Mars was, was Chris's buddy, actually.
0: Yeah, all that. <laughs> well, when you say that, it was Chris's buddy. So what does that mean?
3: Oh, well, you know, I mean, he's uh, a sci-fi, you know, aficionado. I think that that's one of the things that we both really appreciated. We had the um, Attack of the Giant Ants on the first album. And um you know, so I, I, I've i always felt that there was a sort of kinship between these things. And um, it, it also is, you know, a little bit silly. And um, but yet the, the the music itself, the drive is strong behind it. It's not like, D-d-d-d-d-d-d. it's, you know, ah, ah. and, um, and it, it's, uh, it captures your attention because you, you, you know, it's not predictable. You know, this is a story that's, you're in the club and you're dancing and it's hot and you're close and it's all of this sort of semi-romantic, lovely stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, five, five ready, you know, and we're jumping from the DJ uh, to outer space. It's kind of, you know, pretty
0: exciting. Did you know that you had something?
3: Well, yeah, I absolutely felt it was special. And I, and I think the track was gorgeous and um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, if a track that's see it, it was so interesting, and you know, one of the things that sort of signaled me in particular that uh, we had something was that Mike Chapman got very excited and um, he he didn't know, you know, he was sort of cautious. He didn't really know what we were doing or where we were going. and uh, you know, so, if we If we got one thing that was the least bit right, he would say, hey, we, we got it." <laughs> so you know the, the, a lot of the, the, the song was put together you know almost quickly, you know, um, compared to some of the other other tracks that were more laborious, you know
0: So Debbie, how have, because you haven't been able to tour for for quite some time? Oh, how hard. how have you been able to stay sane and stay close to your fans and do all the things you want to do creatively?
3: Well, it's not, um, I don't feel particularly sane and I, I, uh, sometimes wonder about that, but, um, you know, uh, it, it would be a lot, a lot better if we were playing music and, you know, doing what we do. But, um, in some ways, I guess, you know, it's good to, sort of have to break it down and and you know take it back and you know put put the pieces together i you know i i am always you know looking for some inspiration and i i keep lots of notes uh about my ideas and so i mean that's an ongoing process of that you know i i seem to be doing that naturally um but you know, performance-wise, I I said recently to my uh, manager Tommy that um, I'm addicted to applause, and you know, basically, I'm a, an applause junkie. And uh, <laughs> could you, would you mind?
0: <laughs> yes, I, I I I will. I've applauded you several times at several concerts, so absolutely. Yeah.
3: Well, you know how it is here. We're, we're, I mean, for anybody who's out of work or, or lost their job during this uh, pandemic, it's, uh, well, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's tragic and unbelievable and, um, uh, scary, you know, uh, I don't feel especially scared because I'm an established artist, but I can imagine for, you know, um, newer artists or a younger band, uh, wow, it's, what do you do? How do you, where do you go? How do you keep going?
0: Yeah, it's tough. I, I speak to a lot of different people and it's very hard. And so they they try to find all new ways to engage and use it productively, but I want to just close things up with Rapture. And then Debbie, what you were talking about though, in terms of the time of uh, the pandemic and what, how you've been able to take these crazy times and turn them into something that's, that's, a creative outlet for you. I want to get to that, too, because you released a book and Chris was saying that he's working on a book as well. And you have a number of projects coming out. But so, Chris, the lyrics one more time, just so I understand a little bit more from your perspective for Rapture. Is that something that flowed really quickly for you? Did you? Yeah, it, it
1: was pretty much just the, you know, it's just the concept of rhyming the end of the phrase and filling in the earlier part of the phrase making it a little coherent and just has this little storyline. I don't it, know, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, there's one of my favorite parts is at the very end when you, and now he only eats guitars and then you have that guitar riff that that's really well, that's
3: hard. Right. Yeah. I think the orchestration, uh, sort of, uh, came in a little bit later I, I I know that we had you know like this really great groove and um you know that's that's very important um, essential and um you know yeah, so so. I
1: recently picked out some of syncopation there's some fantastic percussion I think you know it's like tapping sticks out of it's, there's a lot of really great stuff mixed in there with the drum tracks
0: yeah yeah, yeah for sure and the first it's the first video featuring rap that was on mtv also too so there's you know all these different things that came out of rapture was was just really revolutionary and then to re at least for those of us who are um who know the song really well and to discover for the first time that there is this holiday version of it this christmas version is great
2: there this is jill hopkins from the opus after you check out this latest episode of my show be sure to check out some of the other great programs on consequence podcast network including rootsland an original story of two friends who take a musical and spiritual journey from the suburbs of long island to the streets of kingston jamaica or standing bts a bi-weekly podcast covering all things bts and army oh and then there's the What Podcast. It's a weekly podcast by two Bonnaroo veterans exploring and highlighting the live music scene. They're all fantastic. So head to consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others.
0: So, Debbie, what have you been able to do just from a creative standpoint? Has it, have, have there been some positives in that respect?
3: Well, we're starting up now. You know, it's it's loosening up. I um, you know, everybody was in in shock and uh, you know, what what do we do? What's going to happen? Uh is there ever going to be an end to this thing and and we're coming out of it? And so Chris and uh Chris and I and uh Matt Katzbowen have been sort of putting our heads together. We have a a long list of material that we're considering and um, you know, we're just looking to have a space, you know, create a, a period of time that we can just knock it out, you know.
0: Your 12th album you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of timing do you think that's going to be for everybody out there?
3: Oh, as far as the audience, uh, people hearing it, probably not. Uh, I would say 2023, but yeah. with, with a little luck, it, it could come out. I mean, the idea would be to, you know, put something out online. Before, you know, during 2022. Um, I honestly don't think we will get to really recording anything now.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, you, it was, well, touring, you have what well, just released Yuletide Throwdown. You have a a soundtrack that's out, I believe, Blondie, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, Viva and La Habana. So yes. it's a short film of a 2019 live performance oh. in Havana. <laughs>
3: It's a uh, Javier. Oh, Javier!
0: Yeah. It's a to live, to live. How was that experience in in Havana?
3: Well, um, I all I can say is that I wish that it had been longer, mm. and um, I was uh, really excited with the uh, the additions that the Cuban musicians, you know, played. Um, mm-hmm they really <clears throat> it just you know the, the the feel of the percussion uh was elevated and it, it was pretty fantastic um i i don't know i guess i'm spoiled you know because you now we've had uh, music around for so many years that you know audiences around the world it's always surprising but Then again, it's not surprising because the same thing happens, you know, for us that we hear a lot of music. And, um, so, you know, the audience was singing along and and acting just like any anywhere else, practically. Um, it, it was a remarkable event and something that, you know, we had always wanted to do. And Chris was, uh, one of the, um, People who, you know, he was one of the guys who really wanted this to happen. And and he and Tommy really cooked it up. Um, and it was we did this cultural exchange. I, I don't know what what else to say about it, except that um, it happened. And I, you know, I wish that, you know, we had been there longer and that, you know, we could have I wanted to do a free concert. And, you know, we couldn't quite quite pull that off. <clears throat> it's not an economic system uh, that's easy to negotiate. Mm. So, you know, uh, we did somehow pull it off.
0: Well, I'm consistent with everything that we kind of started with, which is multi-genre, taking different elements, Reimagining it, creating it your own—that's something that you both and the band. That's what you're known for, and what's so unique about Blondie is that you do cross all these genres. And and from an artist perspective, it's um you, you're true artist that way, because there aren't that many who like bring it all together and tie it all together. And I don't want to take too much of your time, but I want to just really quickly go back to kind of the beginning of so uh, Debbie, I'll start with you in terms of, as a young girl growing up, did, and I know a little bit about the story, but I want to hear it from you. As growing up, when did you first realize that you could sing and that you felt comfortable singing and that it is something that you wanted to do?
3: I, I think it was just uh, second nature, I I didn't, uh, I didn't really think about it as a child. Um, I just, I just like doing it. And, um, you know, music is uh, a transportation for me. I can, uh, I can really, as the jazz musicians say, I can go off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) Yes, you can.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And, um, in in a good way, you know? And, uh, so I, I think that that's something that, you know, Chris and I share, um, know each in our each in our own way um but you know music is uh i don't know it is it's a cure for so many things for people and um um i don't know i i never i know i always after a certain point i actually considered that oh god this this would be a really great way to you know to live but i mean as a kid i just had my had my head in the radio and I was just listening and listening and listening to, you know, all kinds of music. And, and that's one of the things I've always said that, you know, uh, growing up in the metropolitan area of New York City and having all of these uh, different radio shows to listen to was a, uh, a blessing, a huge
0: blessing. And did you feel, did you always feel comfortable singing in front of others?
3: No, no. Uh, I think I started in, uh, in choirs, in groups. Um, but I did fool around with uh, a couple of little, uh, side things, you know, I had this group called the, uh, fifth grade girls club. And, you know, we would sit around and we would try to sing, uh, like early, uh, platters songs and stuff like that and Harbor lights and, uh, I don't know, just uh, really nice R&B songs. So, um, but I, I think even before that, you know, I, listening to the radio was a major, major importance.
0: And Chris, when did you first pick up the guitar and start playing and writing songs and, you know, just oh, evolving? My, my, my
1: 1962, I got my first guitar when I was 12. Hmm. So, um, just, you know, there was always this attraction for the electric guitar thing, even a little bit before the Beatles, before all that still hit in America. I was just had this fascination with the physicality of the electric guitar. I would see older guys fooling around with them, you know, or I would hear it at night walking down the streets in Brooklyn.
0: And did you... Yeah. Did you? Um, is that something that you had this fascination and you felt early on that this is what I wanted to do?
1: I, you know, I was always messing around with my friends and doing like little band situations and jamming constantly all through my teenage years. So I don't know if I thought of it. You know, the, the model for musicians and rock musicians has changed so much now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love asking this question and then we'll wrap it up. But if you, so Chris, if you didn't become a prof, prof, professional musician and this becoming your life, what do you think you would have done? Like what, what else interested you that you could have done for as an adult?
1: Well, I, you know, it's always in some form of the arts. I still I was always doing photography, graphics, but you know, nowadays after I watch so much crime TV, I think I would want to be a policeman. But um I think that's my, I don't know if I that ever occurred to me back when I was a kid.
0: C S I Blondie. C
3: S I Blondie? Yes, well, CSI you Blondie. know, honestly, Chris, this is the first time I've ever heard you say that. That's this is outrageous. I'm it honestly. I mean, I don't like to you know, like, hear. <laughs> Whole, you know, you, I know you'd like guns, but I mean gee.
1: Yeah, the whole murder detective thing is attractive, you know. <laughs> what
0: can I say. Yeah. And Debbie, how about you? What do you think that you'd be doing if you weren't if you weren't leading and a singer for a band?
3: Oh, I, you know, I I always said, you know, I, I knew that I would be performer of some sort, um, although I was terribly shy. Uh uh I, don't know how I, you know, just I, I guess got got over it because, you know, I wanted to or I had to. Um, but um I probably would have gone into uh some kind of theater, something like that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing to, to to hear that you were incredibly shy. That's uh you know not what you would expect. <laughs> so you you clearly overcame it, which is wonderful, which is wonderful for everybody out there. And then what brought you two together? How did you meet each other? I went
1: to a show, which was the first show of this band called the Stilettos, which was a girl trio, and then that was it. And I was very taken with Debbie, and we, you know, I joined their band shortly thereafter. Yeah.
0: And then, and then you formed. You two left that band and formed Blondie.
1: Yeah, about what, two years later, maybe.
0: Yeah. Okay. Got you, got you. Well, incre- incredible, uh, incredible career. And one final question. What is the, when you think about back on all that you've done, is there any particular moment that stands out to you as being just one of those moments where it's just, uh, it, it's incredible. I'm, you've had so many incredible moments, but something, some experience that really stands out.
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot. That stuff, that's why I wrote that book. But, I mean, recently, so we, you know, <clears throat> over the last 10 years, doing some of those huge, massive concerts like Glastonbury and Hyde Park in London with, you know, 100,000 people is pretty exciting. All that stuff. I mean, yeah. some of those guys just, do, you know, making those guys do that all the time. But for us, it was a big deal.
3: So. I think one of the, uh, the the moments that I remember very uh, explicitly. It was quite beautiful, and um, I felt it was, a, you know, a real indication of, of Blondie's future. <laughs> well, we played in Bethesda Fountain in Central Park on New Year's Eve, and um, it, it was just a beautiful night. It was so miserably cold and wet. That was
1: 1974, no, I guess. Or 70, I think that was 1974 to 5. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yes. and um, you know we just had the small band. We just had uh, what was it? Four pieces?
1: Yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever it was.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it was a small. It was a small band, small version of Blondie, and uh, it was a freezing, sleeting, cold, miserable, miserable night, and we were playing outdoors on this little little platform um, uh, set up near uh, Bethesda Fountain. It and was in the fountain. was in the fountain yeah yeah and uh as we were playing we uh for some reason we learned that song time is tight by uh booker t and um which is a beautiful great song but uh it's really instrumental i don't know what i was doing i probably just humming along or i don't know stamping my feet trying to keep warm. And um, all of a sudden, these huge, gigantic hands, you know,
1: people dressed up. It was at, the, the Bread, and, Bread and Puppet Theater.
3: Oh, was the Bread and the, Puppet Theater, right. It's
1: an old, radical performance group from, that goes way back to the 60s.
3: Yeah, yeah. And they came marching down those gigantic, or, you know, those very beautiful and dramatic, elegant staircase. From the the level of Central Park down into the Bethesda Fountain area, uh, it was just beautiful with all the snow falling and um, I don't know. We actually got paid. I think that was probably one of the reasons yeah. that
0: stood yeah. out in my we mind.
1: Got like, we got like five hundred bucks. That was like one of the highest things we ever got paid at that right. point. Right. Yeah. From yeah. the city, the Parks Department paid them a month later. It took fucking months. <laughs> for their, for their job. <laughs>
0: but so, you got it. Yeah, you got, got it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well that's the the beauty of music that you're you have the the one of the largest events is a great moment of course and then you have one of the smallest events in your career which is one of the great moments and it's uh that's the the magic of these experiences. Listen, I really appreciate you joining story story behind the song um and discussing both Rapture and the the Reimagined version of Rapture, which just was re-released because it's been out for a long time, but none of us really knew about it. Yuletide Throwdown, a new holiday classic. I urge everybody to do that. Lots of things are coming up with a box set coming in 2022. Sounds like you're working on a new album, which is wonderful. Um, We'll see that in the future. Uh, Chris, you have your memoirs that are coming up. Debbie, your great autobiography is out in the stores and lots of different projects. But again... Debbie Harry, Chris Dine, Blondie, and thank you so much for joining Story Behind the Song.
2: Town to town,
0: girls, that was Blondie's Debbie Harry and Chris Dine sharing their in depth story behind their iconic number one song, Rapture, and its Santa spin off perfect for the holiday season called yuletide throwdown that may just become a new holiday classic i'm your host peter chadi and you can follow me on twitter at p and also check out deepcutsmedia.com and for more of the story behind the song make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tune in on the third monday of every month for new episodes also make sure you're following the consequence podcast network to keep up to date with all our series at consequence.net forward slash consequence dash podcast dash network and as always thanks for listening to the story behind the song